Good morning. This is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Good morning, everybody. It's 9.30 a.m. Central Daylight Time, Wednesday the 29th, or Wednesday, May the 29th, 2019. This is episode 101 of Bitcoin and, and we start, uh, with, uh, a couple or a public service announcement sort of kind of, uh, is, uh, Rodolfo Novak has tweeted out a series of tweets linking to Max Hildebrand, uh, Hildebrand's, uh, videos. He says, in case you missed at Hillebrand Max made an amazing series of videos showing how to use the cold card wallet and explaining PSBT. See the eight videos below. And he gives a, uh, he has eight uh, separate tweet or uh, separate tweets that highlight each one of the videos and sort of like a summary, kind of a little, a tiny summary of what those videos are. So apparently Max has been making, well, actually I, I knew this, not apparently I, I knew he was making these videos and I have yet to actually watch them. Uh, now that he seems to have completed, uh, most of the way through, I'm going to go and watch because I, I really want a cold card wallet, but he's got a video on air gapped use of PSBT with Electrum. He has encrypted micro SD backups video. There is firmware upgrading video decoy wallets and multiple pins. And that's one of the features about the cold card wallet that I'm really excited about. Uh, the sixth one is supply chain defenses and unboxing. Nice. It's like a sort of a deboxing video, uh, how to wipe the seed and restore SD backup on cold card. And then there is a white paper read and the design of the encrypted SD backup of cold card. So these are some, uh, I'm, I, I can't, I really can't wait to get into these videos from Max because from the technical side, Max is one of these guys that, that uh, can explain this kind of thing and make it, you know, uh, kind of flatten out the learning curve. So I have that linked. It's in my morning roundup or my, in other words, my uh, curated Twitter timeline, which is linked in the show notes. You just go to the show notes and look for my curated Twitter timeline link, go to it. And you'll get uh, into all of the stories that I'm going to be covering today. Uh, but uh, this one has each one of these uh, tweets from uh, Novak uh, has a link direct to each one of the videos. So it's a nice little kind of package to, to be able to get to that thing. All right. So let's start off with a coin telegraph. Uh, Anna Alexandra writes on May the 24th, 2019 blockchain browser brave test crypto tips for Twitter users. All right, let's see what's going on here. 
blockchain browser Brave is testing a new tipping function for social media platform Twitter on its nightly version. It announced in a tweet on May the 23rd. The post reads that users of Brave Nightly, the testing and development version of blockchain-based browser that blocks ads and website trackers, will have access to the browser's new feature for tipping tweets with the Brave Rewards program. The feature is designed to award content creators with Brave native digital tokens, the basic attention token, or otherwise known as BAT, B-A-T, basic attention token a related announcement on the project's website provides a detailed explanation of the tipping feature. Quote, when you visit Twitter in the Brave browser for desktop, you will see a special tip button on each tweet. Tap on a tip button to send a tip directly to the author of the tweet. Tips are sent instantly and appear in the Brave Rewards account within minutes. Brave Rewards also allows users to tip creators on video sharing website YouTube while watching their videos. In late April, Brave launched Brave Ads, an option that enables its users to earn rewards for watching advertising. Man, there's just that's just sick. I'm sorry, but the way that that's worded just makes people seem like they're just robots just waiting to I I don't know. There's there's all manner of crap wrong with that. The option allows the browser's users to receive 70, receive 70% of the ad revenue share as a reward for their attention in the form of bats. Brave Ads purportedly ensures that brands are connecting with people who are interested in advertising, limiting costs, costs and risks regarding privacy, security, and fraud. As reported last December, Brave became the default browser on a phone from major smartphone manufacturer HTC and will reportedly be pre-installed on the HTC Exodus 1 the first native blockchain phone with support for multiple blockchains, including the Bitcoin and Ethereum networks at press time. Bat is trading at uh, 34 cents, having gained 2.2% over the last 24 hours. According to coin market cap, the tokens current market capitalization is around $439 million us while it's daily trading volume is around $53.6 million us. <coughs> Okay, so my question is why? I already have this with Tippin.me. I, I now there's bottle or is it bottle.li? Uh let's see here. Yeah, I think bottle.li has that. And it and and those use, you know, Bitcoin on the you know, via lightning. So my again, my question is why? Are they I mean, they introduced BAT. So long ago, I can barely remember exactly when it was. It's not being used. I mean, it, uh, according to this, it says $53.6 million in trading volume, but it's, I'm sorry, man. It's, I can just go get, uh, I've been, uh, I have downloaded the uh, Brave, the forked Brave that Gab, um, that Gab did and have not been able to, I, I've installed it and everything. I just haven't played around with it yet. Things are just all over the place. I, I did also have to apologize for not doing a, a show on Monday, but it was Memorial Day and I was enveloped in hickory smoke for the better part of the weekend. And, uh, woo, man, uh, lots of coughing going on there. Probably not very, actually, it's not healthy to do that, but you got to tend the grill. Otherwise, the, uh, the temperatures get all out of whack. So like fishing, Grilling on Memorial Day weekend or during the Memorial Day weekend is sort of a reason to have nothing to do but stand around and drink some beer. <laughs> okay, back to the Brave thing. I I don't know why I'm going to start using the uh, the Gab browser and see you know see about its efficacy 
and go from there because they ripped out the bat, uh, that whole bat thing. And just, they just decided to use Bitcoin because, well, why would you use anything else? Uh, on up to, on up the stack we have, make sure I'm not going to skip anything. Okay. This is probably, um, probably should kind of be <laughs> the daily train wreck, but I've, I've got another one that's not Bitcoin related. <clears throat> um, BTC King 555 has been keeping track of what's going on with Bitmain, Jihan Wu and Antminer and, and tech, uh, their tech woes and, and money woes and whoa, they have a lot of woes. And this doesn't help. Uh, he says, breaking, our insider took a screenshot off Jihan's laptop. TSMC 7 nanometer yields are catastrophic, 47%. Considering this wafer t- cost, wait, hold on. It's, he's hard to, he, he, I don't, English is not this gentleman's native language, so we're doing our best here. He literally says, 7 nanometer yields are catastrophic, 47%. Considering the wafer cost, this is a financial disaster. Also, TSMC capacity is limited, and Bitmain allocated only 9,500 wafers for entire 2019. Compare that to the 20,000 per month in 2017. Wow. Okay, so looking into this, uh, he, uh, getting, digging into, into this tweet, uh, thing. He has one more that says, no wonder it says S 17 sold out on Bitmain site. They simply don't have the machines and this year supply of, uh, working of working S 17 machines estimated at 40,000, 50,000 machines at best. Insider says VCs are furious over the this disaster performance. 2019 year financial numbers will be shit. Hashtag Bitmain IPO. And so I had to actually go look to make sure. And he's right. I took a screenshot off of uh, Bitmain's uh, sort of their shop uh, for their miners. And the Antminer T17, the Antminer S17, the Antminer T17 at... That's the exact same one. Doesn't seem to have some of these listed twice or so. Oh, and then there's the Amp Miner S, uh, S9J uh, dash four, or yeah, at the uh, four, was that 14.5 tera, tera hashes per second? It doesn't matter. They're all sold out. The, the Amp Miner Z11 is also sold out. Everything is sold out. The Blake 14R Miner or the Amp Miner DR5 seems to be uh, shipping, but everything Shaw 256 related, gone. Bitmain's got no stock. They're completely wiped out. It's like what we're going into, we're going to come into June and they don't have anything for sale. Uh, that's probably not going to be very good. Uh, and they're not making, they're not making dick on their AI stuff uh, either. Their, their mining is, is all of their revenue as near as anybody can tell. Um, so you know, take that how you want it. BTC King has been pretty spot on, uh, you know, over the last couple of years as to what's going on with Bitmain. So the fact that, you know, the fact that they, they literally can't find a foundry to, you know, print enough or, or to, you know, uh, stamp enough of these chips out with any kind of quality so that they can actually put them in their miners and, and have a, a shippable product, 
Um, it would be funny if this turned out to be like butterfly labs all over again. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Uh, here's next up in stupid Coindesk has this article from Yugita Katri, uh, and the article's name is, or this was written May 27th, 2019. And it's a want to know your wine is genuine. Ernst and young has built a blockchain for that. Yeah, that's right. Wine on the blockchain. I really hate it when people try to use this technology for, uh, we'll get into that. Big four professional service, services firm EY has built a blockchain platform for a firm that will help consumers determine wine's quality, provenance, and authenticity. The Tattoo Wine Platform has been developed for Blockchain Wine PTE Limited using EY's Ops Chain Solution, EY announced on Thursday. The platform is backed by Asian wine seller The House of Roosevelt, which will use it to sell wines directly from vineyards to hotels, restaurants, cafes, and customers, according to the announcement. Quote, each bottle of wine will be tattooed with its own unique QR code. By scanning the QR code, participants can access information such as vineyards, names, and locations, details such as the type of fertilizers used to grow the crops, and how each batch is transported for processing and delivery. End quote. The platform will focus on markets in Asia where the consumption of European wines is expanding, Ernst & Young said. Over 5,000 labels will be added to the system, including wines from France, Italy, Spain, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, South America, and California. Tattoo has been built using the Ethereum's ERC-721 standard for non-fungible tokens or crypto collectibles, according to the announcement. And in parentheses, she has, yes, basically the wine tokens are like alcohol-based crypto kitties. <laughs> Close parentheses. The asset traceability module of EY OpsChange has been used to tokenize over 11 million bottles of wine for various clients as well as other consumables, Ernst & Young said, as well as providing data on wine prov provenance. Tattoo also allows consumers to distribute and distributors to buy and sell wine, schedule and track shipments, monitor warehousing and delivery, and arrange for and track insurance coverage of wine shipments, Ernst & Young said. Taking a slightly different tack, blockchain startup Vinix is also developing a supply chain platform for the trading of wine futures. Wow. Uh, God, people just gamble with anything. Which allow connoisseurs and collectors to purchase a vintage while it's still in the barrel a year or two before it's bottled and released on the market. Yeah, so that's going to do it for that. And this is where I have problems with it. Um, there... To put this on the blockchain in in is just stupid. Yes, you can probably track shipments. Yes, you can probably, you know, do all kinds of neat stuff with with a blockchain. The problem is is that the primary purpose of this of of trying to do this is that you have to trust that what's in the bottle is actually what these people say it is. And, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, all of, you know, I'm sure most ventures would, you know, wouldn't lie, but there's a couple of things about it. One, you got to enter it in on the blockchain, right? Yeah. Or not on the blockchain. You have to enter in the information about the wines so that it can be whatever done, that blockchain does with it gets done with it. So there's, there's a failure point right there. And there's an attack vector right there. You could always pay somebody to, you know, Hey, uh, we actually used chemical fertilizers this year instead of uh, cow shit, uh, like we always say we do, because I don't know, X, Y, Z problems. Let's just go ahead and just, let's keep it all the same. 
you know, because there's no way that it's hard to say there's no, the connection between taking something physical that I can drink or eat or smoke or whatever, some kind of consumable, there's, there is a disconnect between its physical existence in the world and being able to quote unquote, put it on the blockchain. Whenever you hear about stuff like that, just automatically think stupid and, and walk away from it and don't, you know, don't really worry about it. Now that said, there is only one potential use case that I can even think of about this. And that is diamond mining. And I'm not going into the blood diamond thing and all, all that. I'm, I'm literally talking about just the stone after it's cut and it's either going to be installed or already installed into a ring. <clears throat> IGA is sort of like the people behind precious stones and whatnot. Uh, for years, they've been fingerprinting these things through the use of optics. So they'll shoot a laser through it and they'll look at its refractive patterns. And every single diamond is going to have a, a, a unique fingerprint. And because it's a picture and it's data, that can actually be put on the blockchain or on some blockchain. Uh, it could even be put on the Bitcoin blockchain if you're going to pay the fees to, to upload the data. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend that. But the point is, is that you would be able to use the fact that there is a, 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 ref, a you know, reflection, a refractance, um, and there's a couple of other things that give a particular diamond a unique fingerprint. And that can be digitized and that can be uploaded. But again, there's the point of failure is that a human does it. Now, if you automate the process, well, still a human can be involved insofar as can you change the data? And in this particular case, IGA is pretty strict about it. Um, so I, I doubt a lot of people would actually get into trying to fudge stuff. That's the only thing that I can think of. There's probably just a couple more, but wine and grapes and oranges. Stop, stop with this. It's just a waste of time. Okay. That's it. Uh, May 28th, 2019 am crypto, uh, is reporting. And this is by, P-R-I-Y-A. Not sure how to pronounce that. Uh, anyway, okay. So it says, Cryptopia, most revenue for bankrupt exchange came from United States account holders. Now, for those of you that you don't know, crypto or a Cryptopia a while back filed for, uh, uh, they were going to go through liquidation, and now they filed for bankruptcy protections in the United States. This is a New Zealand cryptocurrency exchange, and they're filing for bankruptcy in the United States. Okay, so, and this is probably why. Stephen D. Pally, a partner of the Washington, D.C. office of Anderson Kill. Wow, that's a hell of a law firm's name. Shed light on the Cryptopia U.S. bankruptcy court filing on his Twitter handle. Cryptopia, a now, Cryptopia, a now defunct New Zealand cryptocurrency exchange, has cons- constantly been in the limelight of the cryptocurrency space ever since it was hacked in mid-January 2019. The exchange that lost millions of dollars worth of cryptocurrencies due to a security breach announced liquidation earlier this month, naming two executives from Grant Thornton as it as its official liquidators. According to the recent announcements, the exchange filed for U.S. bankruptcy protection and Grant Thornton was investigating the amount of funds that were supposed to be paid back to the customers. However, this investigation process came to a sudden halt 
after Phoenix NAP LLC, an Arizona-based IT services provider, terminated its service agreement and blocked the exchange's access to the data stored. More so, the service provider demanded a payment of around $2 million U.S. Nevertheless, the court documents released on May 27, 2019 revealed that the New York Bankruptcy Court had instructed the exchange to pay up $274,408 to the Arizona company for the services for May and June. This was followed by the Grant Thornton releasing an official statement that recovering the data itself could take months. Earlier today, Stephen Pally, a well-known lawyer in the cryptocurrency space, pointed out that the exchange's highest revenue was from customers in the United States, followed by Ukraine, Germany, and Russia, the lawyer stated on Twitter. And they just give a, uh, give a, a tweet uh, from Stephen. And uh, the, like the, the lawyer further stated, quote, a Chapter 15 filing is a way to get U.S. bankruptcy court to give effect to a foreign B, uh BK slash liquidation proceeding. This gives the company the ability to ask the BK court, I'm assuming that means bankruptcy court, to order the company's Arizona-based database provider to preserve the data. And he gives a couple of, uh, I, I'm assuming that these are a couple of uh, paragraphs from the, uh, from the uh, paper that was filed. Number 18, Cryptopia data are hosted on servers by an Arizona-based business, Phoenix NAP LLC. The agreement between the company and uh, and this company, the, the sorry, the agreement between the companies was verified by Cryptopia in a document that includes a link to a master services agreement, the MSA, attached here to as Exhibit B. 19, among the data hosted by the company is a SQL database that contains the individual account holder allocations of the various digital assets. The data also includes the contact detail of all the account holders. It is only by reconciling the various digital asset holdings with the SQL d- database that we can determine how to proceed. Okay, yeah, so that's going to be a mess. And if you were on Cryptopia, you're in a Mt. Gox situation. Uh, kinda. It's gonna it's gonna end up being probably going down the exact same road. It's going to take forever and a day, and this whole thing didn't help. But, yeah, so they're filing for bankruptcy protection in the United States because they were, you know, they were touching United States customers. And as we know in the space, they're most generally speaking, uh, foreign companies don't like to offer services to the United States, to United States customers for all manner of reasons, uh, m- namely the SEC but now they're having to, now they're going to have to do, these guys are going to have to deal with US bankruptcy and oh, god what you know it's a mess man it's a mess however what is not a mess is this out of bitcoin magazine from Landon Manning uh he's writing May the 28th 2019 Tippin enters version 1.0 promising new feature all right lightning network app tippin.me has released a version 1.0 update which includes a host of new features and promotional measures intended to increase the user base and improve the user experience Originally launched in December of 2018, Tippin was introduced as a novel way to use the Lightning Network to make micropayments easily accessible for a wide range of users by allowing them to send and receive tips over the Lightning Network on Twitter. Originally a custodial wallet solution, the app is particularly noteworthy in that it is the work of one developer, Sergio Abril. 
Within the first months of the app's launch, Tippin quickly rose to relative prominence in the crypto space. By March 2019, Tippin began accruing roughly 200 users daily, with a total user base of around 14,000, and even got a shout-out from Twitter co-founder Jack Dorsey. On, Mar- on May 23, 2019, Tippin's official Twitter account announced the release of version 1.0, officially leaving the app's beta stage of development. <clears throat> the update includes a variety of quality of life features that allow users to perform more actions directly through, the pro- through their profiles. Now users can check balances from the extension, tip directly from their balances, attach messages to transactions, and top up their accounts by sending Bitcoin from an on-chain wallet. The announcement claims that, quote, now it's even, even easier to tip people, end quote, and is offering an added bonus of a thousand Satoshis to new users who sign up within a limited time. Veteran users who refer new users to the platform will also receive 500 Satoshis for each new customer they attract. So go out there and chill your tip and ref link, man. Get these guys some more love because they're still, or actually not these guys, this guy, this one guy. One dude, Sergio Abril, get him, uh, get him some love going on there. Uh, this is from also from Bitcoin Magazine. AT and T now accepts Bitcoin. Oh, who would have guessed? This is out of Jim from Jimmy Aki, writing May the twenty third, twenty nineteen. AT and T customers can now use Bitcoin to settle their bills online. According to a press release from the Dallas-based mobile carrier, customers who want to use cryptocurrency to pay their bills can do so by selecting BitPay oh God, as a payment option on the My AT&T app or when they log into their account. BitPay is a popular crypto payment service that helps businesses accept cryptocurrencies for payments online. Yeah, you can also set up BTP, BTC Pay Server, which would be better for obvious and various reasons. Yeah. Quote, it's exciting for BitPay to support AT&T as it moves to accept Bitcoin as a payment option. Sunny Sin, seeing BitPay's chief commercial officer, told Bitcoin Magazine, quote, Bitcoin lets customers pay from anywhere in the world quickly and easily, end quote. For AT&T's part, adding BitPay as a payment option gives its customers more flexibility, quote, we're always looking for ways to improve and expand our services, said Kevin McDormand, vice president of AT&T's communications finance business operations per the release. Quote, we have customers who use cryptocurrency and we are happy we can offer them a way to pay their bills with the method they prefer, end quote, end article. Okay, well, you know, BitPay was not the greatest player when it, uh, and they ended up on the wrong side of uh, S2X, the Segwit2X uh, block size battle, war, debate, whatever the hell it's being called nowadays. But it's been over for two years. And so not happy about BitPay, but it's an on-ramp. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's, you know, AT&T has, uh, I don't even know how many customers, you know, hundreds of millions. In either event, it's good for adoption. I would like it, uh, you know, BitPay to actually come out and say we were wrong, we apologize, or on the wrong side of that, but it doesn't really matter because a, they ain't going to do it. And B, even if they did, it's not going to affect AT&T because AT&T already made their decision. And I guarantee you AT&T doesn't give shit one about the block size debate. Okay. Moving on. 
Blockchain.com loses Goldman Sachs veteran to Ripple. Blockchain.com loses Goldman Sachs veteran to Ripple. Jeez, man. Uh, This is out of Celia Wan, May 28, 2019. Writing, crypto wallet provider Blockchain.com has lost yet another Wall Street veteran. Brianne Madigan, a former Goldman Sachs executive, has left Blockchain.com for Ripple. Blockchain.com communication lead Patrick Sutton confirmed to the block. Her exit followed that of Jamie Selway, previously global head of institutional markets at the firm. Upon joining Blockchain.com as head of institutional sales and strategy, Madigan was tasked to carry out the firm's ambition to attract institutional investors. The crypto wallet services original plan was to build an institution-oriented platform that integrates over-the-counter trading, custody, and exchange business. To this end, Blockchain.com also poached Jamie Selway from Wall Street broker ITG a few months after Madigan. Little news has been heard about the firm's institutional investment platform since then, although it did launch the OTC desk earlier this year and has an active custody service, Sutton said. In comparison, Ripple appears to have a shot at cracking the institutional market. The payments startup reported a 54% quarterly surge in its direct institutional sales of XRP in Q1, totaling $61.93 million U.S. It is against this backdrop that Madigan shifted her post prior to joining Blockchain.com, Madigan served as head of institutional wealth services at Goldman Sachs, where she helped oversee a record $1.49 trillion U.S. total assets in 2017. Madigan has been with the Wall Street firm for over 13 years before she pivoted to the crypto business, according to her LinkedIn profile. Madigan told the Block that she will continue the effort to bring more institutional investors to crypto at Ripple. Quote, I am thrilled to confirm that I have joined Ripple to lead the global institutional markets team, said Madigan. This is an exciting time to be joining the Ripple team, helping to foster mass adoption of digital assets and transforming global payment systems across the world, end quote. As lucrative as institutional investments could be, many crypto firms find it difficult to break into this market. Coinbase has experienced a similar shift from Wall Street to crypto professional traders this year after encountering pushback from the former, who were still highly cautious about entering into the new asset class. However... With the entrance of big financial services firm like Fidelity, it is likely that other big names will soon follow suit. Although both Selway and Madigan left, Blockchain.com's institutional sales team is currently led by yet another Wall Streeter, Charles Magara, formerly at Goldman Sachs as global head of metals training. So there, there you go with that one. And just for, you know, heaven's sakes, really, I mean... I don't even know what to say about that. That's just, that's completely and totally bizarre that all these, that these people are moving over to Ripple. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's not bizarre because they're just going to fleece everybody and, and whatever. It is just disheartening to see something as crappy as Ripple uh, still alive. Okay. So next up is from the block crypto. This is, uh, May the 29th, 2019, standard tokenization protocol raises $7 million to bring compliance to tokenization. Standard token protocol, STP, a firm hoping to bring transparency to the tokenization process, announced Wednesday it has raised a total of $7 million through the sales of STP tokens. Oh, God. 
this, this shit coinery is just terrible right now, man. The fund was raised through two rounds from investors, including Neo Global Capital, Block VC, Alphabet. SDP develops an an open source standard for projects looking to tokenize their assets. The company highlights compliance, claiming that the protocol will ensure tokens fully comply with region-specific regulations and KYC requirements. Meanwhile, the firm's STP tokens could be used to pay for issuance fees and compliance investigation or to be used for staking and governance on STP's platform per the company's white paper. STP's offering of compliance-proof tokenization protocol seems timely as initial coin offerings regain momentum, with 109 offerings raising a total of $236 million U.S. in April alone, according to ICO Bench's data. However, the ICO sector is also notorious for token issuers tirelessly chanting, my tokens are not securities against the court and the news rife with details of scams. Quote, STP is in a unique position to save billions of dollars for companies and startups that are unable to attain funding due to the costs involved with hiring security lawyers, accountants, and investment banks. End quote. STP founder and CEO Mike Chen said in a statement, STP was initiated as part of blockchain consulting firm Block72 plan to develop the latter's digital asset investment banking business. Moving forward, the firm is scheduled to issue the first digital asset using its STP standard in September of 2019 and will have more tokens issued by the end of the year. The shit coinery will never stop. We keep wanting it to stop, but I just, I don't think it's going to stop. This is, I mean, 109 ICOs in April. $236 $236 million raised for those 109 shit coins. We're, you know, we're, I think we're far from out of the woods with, with, with the, this whole get rich quick. I missed the boat on Bitcoin. And it's the only people I, I really do believe that the only people that are going to make it out the other end with a whole bunch of money on most on 99.97% of all this stuff is going to be the lawyers. I, because I think all this is going to end up in court. It's all going to be dragged dragged for years and years and years. And the only people that are going to make any money at all are, are lawyers who charge anywhere between 750 and 1500 bucks an hour, because apparently everybody in the world wants to sue everybody else in the world. And half of the, you know, I think most of the time it's probably kind of crap, but in, in the upcoming lawsuits that are going to be everywhere, because of these stupid ICOs, it's well-deserved. All of them should be just hung up in court for years and years and years because they are just scams. It's nothing but, nothing but scams. All right, here we go. May the 29th, this is out of the blockcrypto.com. Firm size addresses, 1,000 to 10,000 BTC, are accumulating Bitcoin. As Bitcoin reaches prices last seen in August 2018, the number of firm size addresses has been on a rise, Deer writes. In total, as much as 450,000 BTC have been accumulated by, quote, firm size addresses in, uh, in under nine months. Retail size wallets 0 to 100 BTC have also seen a 126,000 BTC increase and currently holds 38% of the circulating supply. Dyer says that retail size wallets have unlikely been the driving cause of the recent price spikes. 
More than 300,000 BTC have left major addresses, including exchanges, since the beginning of 2018, while the addresses used to hold more than a fifth of the total circulating Bitcoin supply, only 16% remains there today. Holy shit. Man, that's that's a lot. So yeah, there's so they're just basically talking about three different sizes of of addresses, um, zero to one hundred, and then one thousand to ten thousand, and and then the the like the whales, the you know like the early early adopters. Anyway, it's good to see that um, stuff is flowing into the uh, fir- what's called firm size, like law firm, think services firm you know, custody firms, that's going to be sort of who these people are. So that's good. Again, adoption, you know, adoption. Um, Hold on for just one sec. Oh, oh, sorry. That was, that was it. So that will do it for your morning roundup. Let's do vitals from bitinfocharts.com. We have Bitcoin at an average price of 8714 We're going to have the low is going to be over at uh, right BTC at 8679 And the high is going to be over at, oh, where is the high? I'm not sure how they're getting this average out of this because the highest that I can see is... 8,703. So they may be aggregating from other exchanges that they're not actually listing on the, on the site here in in my view, uh, in either event over the last 24 hours, 418,000 transactions were made. My God almighty, uh, average transactions per hour, 17,500, 1.5. Well, actually that's 1.6 million BTC were sent over that 24 hours with 66,500 BTC being sent on average per hour with the average transaction value of 3.81 BTC and the median transaction value at 0.046 BTC right at 400 bucks. Block time is low, 8 minutes and 19 seconds. 1.2 BTC are being taken in fees on a per block basis and 208 BTC have been taken over the last 24 hours in fees. Hash rate has dropped uh, over the last 24 hours, three point at, right at 4%, but we're still above 50 exahashes at, uh, per second, sitting currently right at 54 exahashes per second. The last commit to the GitHub repository was sometime this morning. From left to right, Ethereum is at 272, Bcash at 453, Litecoin at 116, BSV at 175, Ethereum Classic at eight and a third. Wow. Dogecoin at 0.0031. And with 35,000 transactions, it almost beat BSV's 36,000 transactions. BSV is on an artificial pump today, by the way. Uh, it's, yeah, it's it whatever that chain is doing. I don't, it's just stupid. Uh, and Bitcoin cash or Bcash is at 53,000 transactions for the last 24 hours. So they're, it looks like they're kind of starting to fall off a little bit. Uh, it, it, they're, they're both false forks of Bitcoin. So I wouldn't pay either one of them any attention. I just do it 
do these things to see where 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 the landscape is. Anyway, that's going to do it for your vital statistics. Marty's Bent for Tuesday, May the 28th, 2019, issue number 492. The battle is well underway. Screenshot he's put up says, as Coindesk managing editor Mark Hochstein explained this last week, the new rules are likely to require exchanges and other custodial entities to take custody of their customers' cryptocurrency to to obtain identifying information about both parties before allowing a transaction over their platforms. And there's more to the screenshot, but uh, Marty explains it down here. He starts off saying, a bit of news that has gone a bit under the radar recently that should be getting a lot more attention, in my opinion, is the upcoming release of new rules pertaining to cryptocurrencies by the Financial Action Task Force, the FATF, what an Orwellian organization, oh, sorry, Financial Action Task Force, what an Orwellian organizational title with an awkward alphabet soup acronym, FATF. For those of you freaks who are unaware, FATF is an international organization represented by 38 countries who have banned together to track and cross-reference bank accounts across the world in an attempt to curb money laundering by criminals. And that's not why they're doing it. (laughs) Sorry, I had to inject that. Building a digital banking panopticon over the course of the last three decades that has the ability to censor transactions at will. Now it seems as though they are set up to attempt to impose their draconian measures on the industry being built on top of Bitcoin, seeking professional or personal information on everyone who touches an exchange and cutting off access to their banking network to those who do not comply. It is only natural that FATF's attention is drifting towards Bitcoin and the on-off ramps that help individuals access the network. These attempts are to stifle economic freedom should have been, uh, have been expected by Bitcoiners for years. Well, freaks and looks like the battle is finally upon us as these guidelines are set to be released in the next few weeks. It is imperative that we become more vocal about our opposition to these piss poor measures hiding behind the cloak of this is for your own safety. Just look at how it would neuter exchanges and the people who use them. And then he's got an excerpt from the, from the file. It says, if you hold your coins with Coinbase, you will no longer be able to send or receive crypto to or from just any old Bitcoin address if it has been through a KYC process. Once you move your funds into a non-custodial account, you'll be free to send them to any self-custody address. But if you've never formally associated your identity with that address via a regulated entity, you won't be able to transact with a Coinbase address or one administered by any other regulated custody provider. Screw Coinbase. Hashtag delete Coinbase. That's what I got to say about it. All right. FATF, if they get their way, uh, is about to bifurcate the Bitcoin economy into two parts. Those who are using the network correctly by taking custody of their own UTXOs and those who are slaves to the panopticon erected by the FATF. Anyone stuck on these exchanges will not be allowed to send BTCs to certain addresses deemed not in compliance. Let me be clear. This will not be enforced at the protocol level, but at the exchange and services level. Business owners will be forced to censor their users, hopefully driving a significant portion of their user base away as they wise up and learn how to use the protocol call as designed. Maybe this will be good for Bitcoin at the end of the day, helping these Orwellian alphabet soup organizations 
create to or created to preserve the status quo of an unelected elite realize that there is nothing they can really do when it comes to Bitcoin. They can attempt to implement these measures, but Bitcoiners will route around them with creative ways enabled by the protocol. There may be some tumult in the short short to medium term as FATF attempts to implement these guidelines, going on witch hunts to make examples of those who do not comply with the rules <laughs> with rules that no one asked for in parentheses. Uh, but I strongly believe their attempts to censor will be in vain. With that being said, we should still be loud and call out these attempts by unelected officials to turn the citizens of the world into digital prisoners. Something, something, complacency, complac- complacency kills. Final thought. Some days the words take a while to put together. I hear that, man. I totally hear that. Thank you, Marty. Uh, yeah, that's just it's just sad to see that kind of shit, but it was to be expected. And more is on the way. So proper use of UTXOs is a very good term. And we really should, all of us, uh, be responsible for making sure that we are using the protocol at the level of the protocol. We're not, oh, I, I use Bitcoin. I buy Bitcoin on Coinbase. You're not using Bitcoin. You're not using Bitcoin. You have somebody, you've given custody of your keys to somebody else they're using the protocol, you know, but you're not using the protocol. You have to keep your own keys, get your shit into your own wallet that you own. Do not keep anything on custodial exchanges because of this and the fact that all of them are eventually going to get hacked. Some of them more than once, as we've seen. Uh, so that'll do it for uh, Marty's Bent for the day. And we want to thank Marty Bent for being Marty Bent. And you can get Marty's Bent, more, more Marty's Bent uh, next time I read a Marty's Bent. Your song of the day today is from Motley Crue, 80s band, hair band. I didn't much like them when they came out because I was like listening to like older stuff like Zeppelin, Floyd and whatnot. So I didn't really pay him much mind. And, uh, you know, it was like, oh, these guys are hardcore. And I'm like, no, they're not hardcore. Well, that kind of changed. They were still never all that hardcore, no matter what happened after this. But I actually started to like them because one day we like I went to go hang out with some friends in San Antonio. We were on the Riverwalk. We were bored and they, you know, a couple of my buddies were like looking around for something to do. And they were like, dude, Motley Crue's playing live. And I'm like, oh God, no, please. No, I don't want to go see a Motley. I don't want, I don't listen to Motley Crue. <clears throat> I turned, you know, change radio stations when they when they were coming on because I would rather listen to something else. And they were like, no, dude, you got to go. And I'm like, fine, whatever. So we bought tickets and they were on their Dr. Feelgood tour. Uh, they had just released their album, Dr. Feelgood. And I was freaking blown away. I was absolutely blown away by that performance. And then I got the album and started listening to it. And it's probably their best produced album that they've ever done. I mean, the sound quality, the punchiness, uh, selection of songs, the performance. I mean, dude, that was a rock solid album. So I figured I'd pull one of the tracks off of it today just because after looking at that face ripping green candle that we had uh, over the Memorial Day weekend and coming into today, it just feels good.
so here we are, happily bounding towards the Daily Train Wrecked. And today, the Daily Train Wrecked should be brought to you by me, but it's not. It's actually brought to you by Regents Park Police. Their Twitter account tweets out, These items were found during a hashtag weapons sweep near hashtag McWorth House, hashtag Augusta Street, during hashtag Op Scepter. Safely disposed and taken off the streets. What is it that they're talking about? Well, they've got a picture here. And the picture is of two pliers, a pair of scissors, two different kinds of screwdrivers, and what looks like a straight knife. Seriously? I'd be in prison for life over there for what's in my toolbox. Forget that. My fishing tackle box would get me the death penalty or whatever they have that's closest to one. I mean, really? Uh, uh, Hand tools. How the hell are you going to screw in anything over in the UK now? I mean, you can't cut shit. You can't use pliers to, to do what pliers do. You can't screw in a flathead screw. You can't f- screw in a Phillips head screw. I'm assuming that a star head screwdriver would be out of the question as well. What? Somebody tell me how I'm going to assault somebody with a pair of pliers and in their life. Really? This is, this is beyond silly. And it really has gotten to the part point where I I'm looking at MPS Regents park Twitter account now is a parody. I, I, I'm starting to really get the, the feeling that these guys may just be kind of clowning around. Sadly, that's not the case. I think that I, it, this shit's serious. So hide your toolbox for all my friends in the UK hide your toolbox. I wish I didn't have to say that. Uh, you get a twofer today. This other one is from at gold money who, uh, tweeted out a picture that shows a gold bar on a parachute uh, drifting down over the rainforest. And they say, if you airdropped gold into the Amazon rainforest, a remote tribe would understand its value. Uh, Yeah. No, it's not. And I'm not, I'm not bagging on Amazon rainforest remote tribes the whole notion is, is ludicrous, right? It's no, they're not going to understand the value as the, the, the way that the Western or, or developed nations understand the value. Lots of gold is used in computers. Remote tribes don't have that gold and they don't know what, they wouldn't know why it was being used in computers. Uh, you know, they, they're not looking at that. And it's just, this is just, this is probably one of the stupidest tweets I've ever seen. I mean, so I'm just going to leave the, both of those smoldering piles over there in the corner and we're going to move on to uh, Satoshi's treasure. Okay, so it's Satoshi's treasures today. Uh, the Aesop key, uh, key was released. Uh, Aesop of Aesop's Fables. Um, and, uh, the last six, 
or seven keys number seven, eight, and nine have not been found, although it looks like possibly number nine has been found. But as far as Satoshi's treasure.xyz has it, it's still not found. But this particular tweet from Satoshi's at Satoshi's Hunters uh, tweets out that it probably has been found. It's kind of confusing. Let's see what she says. Now that the Aesop key has been publicly acknowledged to be solved, what a doozy this one. Did not think I would be up all night following Telegram and Discord chats until four in the morning. And then she's got a screenshot. Uh, it says, congratulations, Hunter, key fragment 009, and then has all the information of the key. So, you know, and all the, the QR code for it. So it looks like it has been found, but the uh, the website, as of like an hour ago, still had it as no. Uh, there's another about this one. It says, since Key 9 has already gone public, I guess I'll post this. Um, at Peter Seville underscore I would appreciate this key. And it may not be underscore I. That may have just been uh, the way that this particular one was written. But they order, or this uh, this is this tweet uh, includes uh, a, a link to this. In, what's really this really interesting? It's well, it's new. It's new uh, hyphen order dot fandom dot com, and this is like new order wiki. And it says Peter Seville's code, and it's this picture of a, what looks like a color wheel with just a few colors. And it says, I'll just go ahead and read it to you. Um, and I'm not exactly sure what this is. I'm going to look into it a little bit different, but uh, I, I just thought this was really interesting because this is what looks like solved the Aesop key. Uh, Seville invented a color code and had it imprinted on four of the cover sleeves he designed Power Corruption and Lies, Blue Monday, and Confusion, all by New Order and from the hip hop by Section 25. How do you use it? Look at the picture on the right. <clears throat> now look at the sleeve of power, corruption, and lies. The first picture in the gallery. Now put down the out. Al- now work down the album reading the color code, which is imprinted sideways. The first color is pink, F. The second, green, A. The third, light, purple, C. The fourth, white, yellow, T. There is no such color code as purple, blue. That is light blue, not gray. They are actually two numbers, seven and five. This spells fact 75. On CD versions of PC and L, the white yellow letter is replaced with orange, F-A-C-D 75. Here are some more coded messages. And so these are from like, they're talking about album covers here. So what's the deal with Aesop code using this? Well, the Aesop code was a picture of what looks to be an old woodcut uh, where they would like cut into wood and then they uh, ink the wood and then they would stamp a piece of paper uh, and it gave a really cool effect. But in this particular one around the the borders is uh, a whole bunch of different blocks of, of colors. And then there's a strip of colors right in the middle and it looks like the strip of colors in the middle is sort of the key to being able to uh, decode the, the all the blocks of color around the edges. So again, these kind of puzzles, you know, I am not a good, I'm not good at puzzles, but I got to tell you, man, this shit is totally fascinating. It's, it's really fascinating. Anyway, so Satoshi treasure hunters, um, look like they might have found key nine, but seven and eight seems to still be out in the wild. That's going to be Satoshi's treasure for the day.
terrible joke quarter today is actually brought to you by uh, Nanny Hendrix at N I A N N E L Y N N. Why didn't Theresa May resign next Friday? It is then the end of May. <laughs> topical, you know, to- totally, totally topical. <coughs> Excuse me, topical. Uh, which uh, I always appreciate that in in bad jokes. But the problem with with putting too much energy into writing bad or any kind of joke that is not timely is that just that fact. It's not timely. Uh, this joke would make no sense to somebody forty years in the future, and probably won't make sense to any of us a year out because the way our attention spans have basically been destroyed, degraded, and otherwise you know blasted out into the solar system. Um, but still right now it's kind of funny because if she did resign on the lat on this Friday, a couple of days from now, it would be the end of May. (laughs) I love it, man. I love it. All right, brothers and sisters, uh, shout out to, uh, Hodel and not. Um, and I'm not going to say, say anything here other than if, if any of you guys, you know, are religious or anything like that, you know, just say some prayers for the space cat to make sure that he survives this ridiculous thing with Craig, you know, with Craig Wright. And I mean, it looks like, it doesn't look like Peter is going to, you know, uh, going to go down, but he has a Peter has a long tweet about, he's got like till this Friday, to do something and he hasn't decided what he's going to do. And he's intimated in this, in this tweet about him, um, having it. Well, I I'd have to fight this for years. I've looked at similar cases and all with children and work and blah, 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 blah. He might, he may capitulate. If he does, it's not think about it this way. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because Craig Wright is a fraud. I'm sorry. He's a fraud. And there's no amount of court cases that he can, un, un, there's nothing he could do that would ever convince me that he had anything to do with this project other than maybe being an early guy that was fi- maybe fixed some bugs. I'd give him that. I would, I would give him that. I'd, I'd give him like a, a bug squasher status on Bitcoin, but nothing more than that. He sure as shit didn't write the, the, the core code. You know, I mean, he didn't, he didn't stitch together all the tech in either event. Peter may, f- Peter may fall on this one, fall on his own sword and he'll be ridiculed and laughed at. And then it's not really going to matter because he's still going to be, have a really killer podcast because he knows how to do one. And he's he's a great interviewer and he's got a great network and I'm still going to listen to his podcast uh, because he's, you know, it's not going to kill him. Um, And it's also not going to do anything to Bitcoin, but Hodel and Knott's, he's like a regular guy, man. Um, And he's being sued by the same dickhead, right? So if you're at all religious, say a prayer for Hodel or not. If you're not religious, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that, okay? There's nothing wrong with being religious. There's nothing wrong with being an atheist. You be whoever you want to be. But if you're on the side that's not religious, then do your best to send positive energy out to Space Cat, you know, because he, he could use as much help as, as we can give him. And he gave us a lot with the lightning torch, I think we could spend a few days, you know, a few minutes of the day 
keeping them in our minds, sending them positive energy or flat out, you know, busting down, getting on our knees, saying Lord's prayer, and then please help Hodel or not. Um, if you could do that, I think it would, I think it would help, you know, it, space cat needs good news. We want space cat to have good news. So let's, I don't know, just, just a thought. Anyway, uh, go out, have a great rest of your week. I'll see you on Friday. Oh man, that's not the right way I end this. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.